Hello, this is Mark O'Kane, award-winning film actor. From such cinematic masterpieces as A Muppet's Christmas Carol, I played Scrooge, and Jaws for the Revenge, where I played a man named after a fucking sandwich. But it paid for me summer home, where I spend most of my time with my lovely wife, Shakira. You are listening to They Must Be Destroyed on Sight, a podcast about film. Most people do not know that. Hey, Collins. That's Major Murdoch's knife. And they're traitors. But why? Why? We'd better warn the other men. Evans. Evans. Answer me, Evans. We're under attack. But suppose someone lives. Don't worry, Lieutenant Hawkins, there won't be any survivors. are listening to they must be destroyed on site the following podcast contains adult language adult situations and spoilers for the movies discussed occur often you've been warned now take it away dr roush they must be destroyed on site back it is they must be destroyed on site episode 229 and i'm your host lee you're lucky you won't ever see me again russell joined by my co-host lee you can't buy much with hate hardy how are you doing ma'am <laughs> i'm doing fantastic how are you good and we're also joined by my co-host paul a deadly sin ramali how you doing sir good 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 glad to be here yeah, I'm glad to have you. We're back. It's been a little while since we've recorded anything. Uh, had a couple rough weeks, but uh, we're back on track to start getting stuff out to you guys. So uh, we're mm-hmm. and uh, I just decided, you know what, since uh, Daniel's still on his uh, hiatus and we're still not sticking with the um, uh, chronological order thing that we have for our master list. I just figured, you know what? I'm just going to pick something in random that I've never seen before. And and then I figured, you know, hey, uh, Lady Lee, have you ever seen a spaghetti western before? And she was like, no. I was like, all right, I'm going to pick a spaghetti western. I'm going to pick one I've never seen before. So before we go into the review, if it turns out we all hated this fucking movie or something like that, <clears throat> just just know I did not, <laughs> I did not pre-screen <laughs> this. I did not know what the quality was going to be. I went purely on the title. I just like, I went to the uh, Spaghetti Western database and I just started looking through titles and was like, oh, Django the Bastard from, that 19, one. yeah, from 1969. So, <laughs> mm-hmm. so uh, that's what we're going to be doing. But before we get into that, we'll talk about what we've watched in the last little while. And I will throw over to you first there, Paul. Oh, okay. The Dark Heritage. Dark Heritage from 1989, which was an amazing play on the lurking fear from H.P. Lovecraft, even though they tried to change names and dates and stuff. And But with the low budget, they still really nailed it. And definitely, if you're a Lovecraft fan or just a 80s horror movie fan, definitely watch The Dark, uh, Dark Heritage. It is fantastically done. Um, hmm. And I didn't know anything about this before previous to watching it um and then just the more i hear like these little nuances being dropped i'm like this sounds like the lurking fear <laughs> and boom bam boom it was the lurking fear made to a film and it's right now i think it's right now sitting probably at my number two spot for favorite lovecraft adaptation oh really one I, sitting a lot lower would uh, be 
the color out of space, which is a more modernistic interpretation of the color out of space by H.P. Lovecraft, but doesn't really keep too much to the book, even though it tries to at certain steps. Uh, at least it's not a full moon production, so it's not completely off the fucking kilter. It's not as bad as the curse, that's for sure. It's, yeah, there you go. But uh, Nick Cage is just too Nick Cagey at times, uh, and not in that good <laughs> Nick Cage way. I just think the plot, the pacing is a little off, and the plot is a little off, and they're putting characters that don't need to be there. And, uh, you know, they said it in a modernistic time, and it kind of works, and it kind of doesn't. If you're not kinda... a real big Lovecraft fan, or if you don't know a lot of that, you'll still enjoy the film. I thought it was I thought it was pretty decent, but you're right. The side characters are a little distracting, like Tommy Chong being in that is just like, why is he even in that? I didn't I didn't get it. Right. Um, but I really like the uh, I really like the effects work in that one. Like uh, the the stuff reminded me of some of the best stuff from The Thing, sort of similar uh, oh, films yeah, like that. that. That's what I, I I pulled a lot. Of, okay, now they have to pull the thing out of here. Now they have to do this. Mm. Now they have to do that. Now, like the bugs coming out of the well and stuff, that's not in the room. You can't really do it. Like, there's a lot of stuff that's just not in the book. And I'm a, you know, trying to be, you know, unfortunately, because I was watching it with Michael, he wasn't going to be a book purist. So I had to be the book purist. And I'm being like, mm-hmm. oh, that's not right. That's not right. That's not right. <laughs> and Tommy Chong being, uh, I think, you know, I, I hate to say that I think Chong was a little typecast, a little bit. You know, he's such a dynamic <laughs> just a little bit. You yeah. know what I mean? You know, but. Uh, the thing is, the, uh, the, the, the big thing in the Colorado space is that the hydrologist is the person surveying the area for the dam. He's only supposed to be getting told this whole series of events by the neighbor, which would have been mm-hmm. Tommy Chong. But instead, yeah. he's witnessed the things firsthand, which, you know, it is what it is. But like yeah. I said, like, it, honestly, just for the Nick Cage fan or the um, – like, you know, the people like myself to a certain extent who still can enjoy The Hobbit, you can still enjoy The Color Out of Space. But if you're really, 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 really hardcore purist, you'd probably be pissed off every time you watch it. Problem with that, problem with when uh, you're adapting The Color Out of Space is you're kind of damned if you do and damned if you don't. Because in the original story, H.P. Lovecraft does his usual thing like, oh, it's a color, but a color that no one has ever seen before. And how do you put mm-hmm. that on screen, right? Like, there's <laughs> right, no right, way you exactly. can actually do that. And then so, you know, if you look at the, uh, the from the on, you know, he talks about ultraviolets and stuff. So you're going to mm-hmm. have to go with that kind of idea of what you're talking about. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I do like it, though. Like, I unfortunately, it turns out Richard Stanley, the director, might be a massive piece of shit. But uh, I do like his movies. And... I think I thought he did a pretty decent job on it, even though you're right. It's definitely not perfect at all, but uh... yeah, my biggest thing with this phone film would be they didn't make the high high enough to make the low low enough. As mm-hmm. soon as the thing lands, they already start doing this negative connotation. Then they, after that happens, then the, the fruit goes really big and vibrant. And then when they realize it's nasty, there's always all this other negative stuff happening at the same time. It's supposed to be this great moment of joy and and, and seeming prosperity. Then the dive happens, which makes it more of a Mm -hmm. dive. And they screwed that continuity up in the movie. And I think that's a big shame. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Lady Lee, what have you watched recently? I've been on like a Disney kick. So I've been watching, Mm. watching a lot of like Disney movies I used to watch as a kid. Um, One of them I watched was uh, Fantasia which I did not realize was 1940. Mm-hmm. Um, Cause when I was a kid, I watched it. I don't even know how many times, like it was my favorite movie to just put on the, the VCR and like dance to, cause it was just so much fun. So when I, I, I realized it was my, hmm? night on Bear mountain. Mm, yeah. The, uh, the, the music for, uh, for when the, the devil or whatever comes out of the mountain. Yeah. Mm. That was uh, as kids. That was always our favorite part. Fuck those damn dancing hippos. Give me that. It was terrifying as a kid, and the dinosaur scene is always so sad. Like it's just, but the Nutcracker. Um, there was one specific one with the flowers with the Nutcracker. I used to always uh, get up and dance to it like with my sister, and we would 
stop it and like rewind it and just keep going over that part over and over again like it was our absolute favorite song in the whole uh, musical or musical um movie. <laughs> and after two weeks that tape never never worked again it was just I like that one that spot tape. oh do you okay thank you wow <laughs> I still own that nice. VHS. it is in my collection of uh, disney vhs i own a bunch of them um i kept all of those when i was a kid i'm surprised they all work because i oh. used to like watch the fuck out of them like i was that person who like my friend and i would finish a movie and be like you want to watch it again yeah so we'd rewind it and watch it like right afterwards like, there was no break you'd watch I'm it like not, three four times in a day honestly more often than not the reason vhs tapes either wear out or break is because you're using dirty tape heads in your v8 uh, your uh vcr or you're using a really shitty vcr that's made out of cheap parts that just chews tapes up so well i must have a good vhs player yeah it's still I working a, i had to buy two copies of uh, cemetery man because my first copy we watched that repeatedly for a year <laughs> straight basically and we we was so you can still watch it if you know what you're looking at but it's grainy as hell now mm-hmm. yeah and the, tra- the tracking, tracking goes right off yeah <laughs> mm-hmm. you're trying to like make it work pressing the tracking button oh yeah but that was best, a fun thing best thing i like and uh, paul might be familiar with this i think it's um i think it's i think it's fred olin ray when he does like dvd releases of some of his films. oh yeah i have some of his stuff they're great yeah, his DVD releases are literally just transfers from VHS tapes that he's that he has of his of his, of his films. So but you actually the you nice actually thing get the... is he does have really fun stuff. We usually have mm-hmm. a little front intro to him though that makes it worth it. Mm-hmm. But I mean, you do get like like literally shameless like tracking issues and everything just directly recorded from the v, uh, vcr right to the dvd it just just burn on it's just like so yeah i've, I've got i got the um what is it uh uh linnea quigley one of one of those uh, sets that's got like nightmare sisters on it and mm-hmm. a couple of her other yeah. films and all of them are vhs with with tracking at the beginning and all that shit so yeah okay with nightmare sisters i do really appreciate uh dorky the dorky michelle bauer in mm-hmm. the nightmare sisters the dorky version was very good um i have a, one of the fred Oli rays thing where he's talking about uh you know, fill this thing out and ask me some questions and send it in. And I, it came with, I still have it with the fucking DVD. So I really should fill that thing out if he's still at the same location and send that bitch in. He'll <laughs> answer me. Yeah. All right. Uh, I'll just mention two things. Uh, first off, I watched the uh, new um, Godzilla versus Kong movie. It was all right. I think some people overrated it because they were just waiting so long for it. They wanted it to be the greatest thing ever. <laughs> and it's two hours long and there's too many people in it. Like just human characters talking and shit. And like their whole purpose is to just point Godzilla and King Kong at each other to fight. And they really take their fucking time. And there's a couple fights between the two monsters, but it's like, there's not enough in two hours for it to be great. Mm-hmm. But um, it was, it was, okay for a big you know big spectacle movie or whatever but um i wanted more fighting because uh a friend of mine mentioned that uh, uh king kong's like a real dude bro in this movie like he's like he, he wakes up in skull island and he's like scratches his ass and like <laughs> just goes walking around like doing morning stuff you know and uh yeah, so they, they gave him a lot of personality, and I'd actually like to see a whole movie with Kong just doing cool shit and fighting monsters and stuff, but not, you know, an hour and a half of people talking. Oh, King Kong's coming. Oh, Godzilla's coming. What are we going to do? How about you How about you go off screen and let him fight? That'd be great. I've never seen any of the Godzilla or the King Kong movies. Like none oh, of them. My problem was with the, with the re-first Godzilla. There's so much human drama bullcrap that didn't need to be in there that you mm-hmm. really got no actual fighting with the monsters, basically. And yeah. I always said this ever since they started it. Anyone trying to make a Godzilla film look really good missed the point of a Godzilla film. <laughs> they kind of go for like... Um... I'd, I'd say almost Lovecraftian because they've made him so like they've made Godzilla in the modern films like just four or five times bigger than he was in the very first right. Godzilla movie in the fifties or whatever. So um, it's it's kind of absurd, but uh, yeah. Um, the other one I'll mention is uh, Mario Bava's last directing credit, uh, Shock from nineteen seventy seven. 
Great um, film. Mm, that has uh, Dario Nicolodi in it. And even though, you know, it's it's not the best Bava film, you can still kind of see his, his talent shine through on it because, you know, it's obviously kind of low, lower budget, maybe even than what he was used to at that point. So it, it is a little rough around the edges, but I think Dario Nicolodi does a really good job of just playing like a, a woman driven to like madness. Um, mm-hmm. And the and the the whole concept behind it is pretty cool. I, I like the idea of like her. Uh, it's what her her dead husband is like possessing mm-hmm. possessing her child and and like manifesting through her child and shit. And um, yeah, pretty good, pretty good. I enjoyed it. I I was it was a pleasant surprise. I had I had never seen it before, so I'd known about it for quite a while, but I finally got around to watching it recently. And uh, good stuff, pretty good stuff. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, We are going to take a quick break and we're going to come back and we're going to talk about Django the Bastard. You ungodly warlock. Ever see a film at such a young age it left you traumatized with cinematic wounds? Ah, necrophilia. Ah, ah, ah. It's a dead issue, man. Don't don't push it. Cinema Psyops is a weekly podcast documenting an ongoing experiment on the mind of an unwilling test subject. No one should have to watch this movie. Oh, no one should have to watch this. No one should have to watch this movie. Surprisingly, it's not a topic that a lot of people really want to tackle. I'm shocked, prudes. I know, really. Right? It's the next sexual frontier that no one wants to explore. I am, in the most sincerest of senses, disappointed in you. It takes a powerful goddess like Connie, jam her arm down the monster's throat and kill it. Uh, I'm still tripping out over that. Even as a kid, I was like, I gotta find a girl like that. Every week, I, I get a new look of disappointment that I never thought I could get it's out of it. unimaginable. At 12 years old, you should not be watching this movie. Obviously. At 13, you should not be. 14, you shouldn't be. I'm not entirely sure even 17-year-olds should be watching this movie. Just because you're offended by something doesn't mean that you have the right to demand that it doesn't exist. Watching this film again, I had all of this, like, little nerd glee with everything yeah. that kept Little history up. all yeah, popping up absolutely. at you. So I totally loved this film. Hey, I know why you, you know, couldn't see that. It's because your brain's warped from watching this shit at 12 years old. Yeah, this is this is a rough movie. I told you ahead of time when we were getting ready to do it that it was How did you watch this shit at 12? Because physical wounds heal, cinematic ones don't. Listen to Cinema Psyops. Uh, there's this show called Movie Melt, and you probably know about it. Uh, and it's once every two... I have no idea how often this is uploaded. <laughs> and it's a show where a bunch of compañeros get together and we play some fun games, trivia mainly. Uh, we talk about new releases. Uh, we have some fun games where we try and guess the title of a movie based on stuff that really probably religious people write on IMDb. <laughs> Yeah, it takes about 20 hours to record. There's always a failure midway through. Uh, and then the highlight of the week of the, of the show is um, reviewing a movie. Usually it's kind of a interesting, lesser-known cult-type movie, and it's uh, quite enjoyable. It sounds good in theory, yes. I might have a listen one day. Ooh. Wow. Motion Picture Massacre is dedicated to exploitation, cult, grindhouse, and horror films from the last 7,500 fucking years. I don't fucking know. It's everything. If you're interested in that, check out motionpicturemassacre.com or if you're on iTunes, search Motion Picture Massacre and you'll find it. This has been your announcer, Cowardly Fuck Your Bags, signing off. Eat a dick. You ungodly warlock.
Okay, Django the Bastard from 1969, a.k.a. The Stranger's Gun Down, Django the Avenger, and Django colon the Bastard. Uh, <laughs> that, was the, that was the UK. It was like, oh, we got to give it, you know, we got to do this proper with uh, proper English instead of just stupid shit. And yeah, I thought you said Django's colon's a bastard. <laughs> I, I, I got so confused. <laughs> Might be why he's so angry in this film. Um, mm-hmm. Uh, so this is yeah so this is uh directed by uh, sergio garoni uh he was a writer and director he's known for doing a fair amount of these like spaghetti westerns like he 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 was another journeyman italian director does a little bit of everything he did uh if you want to live shoot and no room to die or a notable um spaghetti westerns he did he also near the sort of end of his directing career, did a couple of Nazi exploitation films as well. So he did SS Experiment, Love Camp, and SS Have Camp it. 5, Women's Hell. Have it. Oh, it's so good. <laughs> it's so good. Uh, and this is written by Sergio Garoni and our star, Anthony Stefan. And uh, Anthony Stefan is Django here. He is actually Antonio Luiz de Tefe who is an Italian-Brazilian who left home. Interesting trivia here. He left home to join the partisans against the Nazis as a very young teenager. Like, he'd be 15 or something when he went to do this. And later, after the war, got into the Italian film industry in the 1950s. Uh, He did sort of bit parts. He wasn't a big star, really, for the first uh, decade or so of his career. But then he found his sort of place in Italian Westerns and uh, later on went to do a bunch of giallo films, too, that uh, he's well known for. So he did stuff like he he actually did a couple more Django films. And just for the benefit of uh, Lady Lee here, I'll I'll sort of explain this thing again that I've explained before in previous episodes. So. You had uh, Django from 1966, which is the <laughs> official Django film with Franco Nero. And that only had one actual official uh, sequel, Django Strikes Back, or maybe it's Django Strikes Again, I can't remember at the moment, but from the 1980s, when Spaghetti Westerns were already dead. But uh, it it was so popular that everybody was like retitling their film Django This and Django That all over the place in different markets just to to cash in. It was just a common thing the Italians did. (laughs) So you'd find Django... Another big one. Yeah. Another, another big one was Ringo. Another one was Sabata. Um, Big hit movies. They would rename them different stuff. Like a few dollars for Django from 1966. For instance, you've got Django and you've got a riff on the, uh, a few dollars more or uh, for a fistful of dollars, you know, combining the two titles. Uh, He was also in Shango. And a couple of the giallos he was in, um, he was in The Night Evelyn Came Out uh, of the Grave and Crimes of the Black Cat. He had a pretty distinguished career throughout the uh, late 60s and into the 70s. So uh, we have Paolo Gazzolino as Major Rod Murdoch, uh, Luciano Rossi as Jack Murdoch, Teodoro Cora as Williams, Jean-Louis as Howard Ross, Carlo Gatti as Brett. Uh, Victoriano uh, Gazzara as Sam Hawkins, Thomas Rudy as Roland, uh, Lucia Gomez as Whore, <laughs> Emily Rossi Scotty as Howard's wife, and strange that she got billed this low on it, considering she's one of the key players in this, but uh, Rada Rasimov as Alethea or uh, Lita Murdoch, depending on what version of this you watched. Uh, and she was a Serbian actress who sort of got noticed in The Good, The Bad, and The Ugly from 1966. And she did a bunch of genre stuff, too. Um, she also popped up in Cat Nine Tales from 71 and Baron Blood from 1972. Mm-hmm. And we have a little synopsis here from IMDb. Uh, a mysterious stranger appears to take terrifying revenge on former Confederate officers who, during the Civil War, betrayed and responsible for the massacre of their unit. And yeah, that that's kind of like the little back of the box synopsis there that, that, that does the fine. There's not a lot of story to this really. Um, it's pretty cut and dry, simple. <laughs> what's going on here? Um, <laughs> yeah. 
so um, I was pleasantly surprised to find that this is kind of a horror uh, spaghetti western, which there's very few of. There's only a handful of them. So, um, interest- <laughs> well, it, it sort of, it certainly, it certainly leads you on for a while, to, uh, making you wonder like if he is or isn't, you know, supernatural, basically. But we'll get into that. So, um, Lady Lee, we'll go over to you first. What are your sort of general thoughts on this one? Um, so, first of all, I have to say, uh, being that like my mom is from Italy and this is the first time I've ever heard that spaghetti Westerns exist. Mm-hmm. It's super disappointing. <laughs> like how is that even possible? Like I feel, <laughs> I feel like my heritage is just like there and I've never even learned this before. Like you were literally the first person to tell me, like I'm going to go home and see my mom and just like scold her. Like how did you not tell me this exists? <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, but for this movie, I found it, I found a lot of the scenes were really dragged out. The beginning when there's the dynamite throwing, mm-hmm. um, that went for a very long time. Yeah. Like, it was like unnecessarily long time. And I thought like right. a lot of the scenes too, like they kind of dragged. I understand they're trying to build suspense, but I found that the scene didn't have enough action to build enough suspense for it to be worth it. Like I was kind of expecting um, more fight scenes and more intensity. And even the scenes that were there, I found they were very like lackluster. Like it just wasn't, it wasn't like the, the Western I was expecting. I was expecting like more fighting and more action. The storyline was pretty cool. I did like that. I did like the whole idea of the revenge. I liked how you slowly kind of figured out like at the beginning when uh, Hawkins was there and you saw like the flashbacks. So you knew there was something that had to be related to like his past and then you slowly see the the flashbacks again and then you actually get to see what happened i thought that was kind of cool because it showed very simple story so it was easy to to follow along it wasn't as if it was a complex story i do have to say this movie probably had the most beautiful eyes on actors i've ever seen (laughs) like every goddamn scene i was totally entranced by the friggin eyes like hawkins at the intro like he's the first guy who's there for like 30 seconds and right away i was like Oh my God, your eyes. <laughs> and then Django himself had like these amazing eyes. And then uh, Alethea like had gorgeous eyes. Like I was like, what's going on? Like, I have, like every person that had like the most beautiful friggin' eyes. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> just, just my observation. <laughs> yeah. No. Uh, Paul, what are, you, what are your sort of general thoughts on this one? Oh, I, I'm going to echo what she said a little bit. It's very simplistic. It's simple. It's easy. It's easy to follow. I, I kind of like it. I like the uh, simple just boom, 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 revenge story. I like that. Uh thought they could have played up a little bit more on the uh, is he a ghost, is he a man kind of thing. I think the one he had the little encounter with the younger brother kind of ruined that pretty quick. But other than that, it was pretty good. And I don't really – maybe I did. Um, maybe it did, and I just didn't miss it when he was bleeding on the guy's shoulder. I don't really see that coming back into the movie too much. I think they no, it didn't. Skimmed, no. They skimmed over that. That should have been like, what's on your shoulder? Where'd you get that from? Ah! That kind of thing. But it was yeah. a good film, even though it wasn't uh, probably the most dynamic film in the world, but it did what it needed to do. And I actually like the character of Django in this one pretty good, even though Roland is one of the most ugly people I've ever seen in my life. So, <laughs> He's a very ugly man. But an ugly man. The, guy who played the, the brother, I thought he was really good. He played a very good crazy person. Yeah, uh, he he's kind of. Um, I, I think uh, it couldn't be Klaus Kinski. That'd be even better. That's what I was about to say. Is, is, does it not feel like they just couldn't get Klaus Kinski, so they got the like the second, like the actually like the third best down the line Klaus Kinski they could find? You Maybe know, they knew they for... couldn't handle dealing with him. Like, oh, we can't hit. No, no, we we can't do that. Yeah, they probably they probably they probably heard it was like, no, nah, we're because this movie's obviously like super low budget. Like it's they didn't have a lot of um, they obviously didn't have a lot of time for extras and shit because there's plenty of scenes where the town just looks totally fucking deserted, and then at the end they actually make a a thing of the the bad guys are running all the people out of town so they can find Django and and, and fight him in town right. Um, so you can kind of see what days that they where it's like, yeah, we couldn't afford to give the extras a sandwich or whatever the fuck, you know, kind of thing. <laughs> um, Get them out. But, yeah. Um, I kind of like this. Uh, it's not perfect. And I, I will I will uh, 
sort of speak uh, about uh, what you're saying there, Lady Lee, with the uh, suspense. When it's done right, it's uh, it's sort of a trope of spaghetti westerns that you you draw out these scenes. Basically, what this film is doing is it's copying what every other really successful spaghetti western does, in that it it gives you a lot of like drawn out suspense, and also uh, the focus on the eyes is a big thing, just because that's kind of what Sergio Leone did with his uh, dollars trilogy, you know, lots of close-ups of people's eyes and stuff like that. So it's, it's just kind of like a visual trope of spaghetti Westerns ever since then. But, you know, when it, when it's done to a lesser, you know, a, a lesser uh, capability, you know, in less capable hands, uh, it doesn't always come off as effective as it uh, does in like a Sergio Leone film. I did like that, that this film did for the most, most of the running time uh, sort of, you know, made you wonder if the dude was undead or not. And I still kind of at the end, they, they, they do it again. Right. Cause he disappears again. And mm-hmm. so you kind of wonder like he might not necessarily be like a hundred percent a ghost, but if there were going on like a, um, you know, uh, one of the big uh, sort of undead in like European folklore, especially is like uh, a revenant, right? Which would be like a uh, reanimated body coming back from the grave kind of thing. Kind of like a zombie, but kind of not. Um, mm-hmm. If he's that, then it, it would make sense that he might still be able to bleed, right? But the problem with, with the movie is that they're really inconsistent about like what his powers are and stuff, because at the beginning he seems like he can just teleport and he can make, you know, like dynamite appear out of nowhere basically and blow people up for the, from seemingly, you know? Um, And then at, then at the end, he, once he gets assaulted by the brother there, it almost feels like he's, he's desperate now. He's like, he's, he's actually struggling to, to win the day kind of thing. He's got to, you know, use his wits to survive all of a sudden, which, so it, it makes me feel like there's like a, maybe in the script level somewhere they, they fucked up, you know, they no they, conflict. Yeah. It was kind of cool though, how once he lost his poncho in his hat, he seemed to be like a normal person. And then when he had his poncho in his hat again, he was like back to being the superhero. Uh, I thought that was kind of cool. So that was okay. Like- okay. So that, I'm sorry to interrupt there, but that made me think because I noticed as soon as he got his gun taken away from him, it seemed like he was no, no longer supernatural too. Like, yeah, he was powerless. And, mm, but once he got his gun back, he, he didn't have his poncho and his hat back, but he got his gun back. And, and then the final fight, he was pretty, pretty good. Well, again. You're not like, much of a gunfighter without a gun, too. Mm-hmm. So. I mean, it is it is a trope of Spandy Westerns as well that, you know, your hero gunfighter is kind of like supernaturally just good at shooting people, you know, like uh-huh. really quick. So I wouldn't mind if they went a little cheesier with that too, though, because they did some really great scenes with that emphasized this spiritual kind of aura mm-hmm. he had, you know, and there could have been a little bit more fog and mist. I would, I would have liked that a little bit, mm-hmm. but when they were really cutting it, like you were saying with that, I just love this scene. He was talking about, because they were, he was going doing like six or different things, but he kept cutting it where he just appeared to the next scene and appeared to the next scene, and then obviously he must have been sitting next to these guys where he goes, "Well, stranger, if we all stick together, we'll be okay." And he goes, "No, we won't." <laughs> and then he's mm-hmm. like, "That's your opinion." And he throws the thing in the thing, and the whole thing blows up. I mean, it's just fucking fantastic. My favorite, I actually like this movie a lot. Not to lie, my favorite, my favorite trick he did, uh, the my favorite one of those scenes where you know he sort of appears out of nowhere is the one where they think he's on the horse, but he used a dummy on the horse and they shot the dummy off the horse into the water trough. And, and they all come up to the water trough and look down on it. And the camera angle is the reflection in the water trough. And they're all like, where the fuck did he go? And why did he put this dummy on the horse and everything? And then you see uh, Django's face move up and appear on the water trough and they see it and they're all like, Oh fuck. And it is like, blam, blam, blam. They're all dead in like three seconds. It's just gone. Yeah. He goes, he's like, he's like, he goes, why did he do that? Why don't you know? Boom, boom, boom. Yeah. <laughs> you know? But the funny thing is, if you look at the way this, his gun goes, like that one guy should have never even got hit, but mm-hmm. they all die. You know? But at the same time, it's pretty good. 
Yeah, I do like. I do really like where he just uh, they everything kind of slows down, and then they kind of do the whole recap when he saw sees the navy bottle, and then it, that's how it spurs the whole. It, I think it, it felt really fluid. It mm-hmm. didn't feel like a weird recap. You know, it felt really well, really well done. I think one thing that bugged me was when he found the bottle of whiskey at the house, and that's what kind of brought him to the memory. And then when he went to um, Murdoch and said, I've been waiting 13 years to give this to you. Were you? You just found it. <laughs> like, well, I don't no, know, he was supposed to give out. it to him in the flashback. He was getting, that's where he went to yeah. go when but he found I mean, that they just, were missing. Yeah, but that's, that's what I mean. Like, they just happened to find it at the house. So it was like that convenience. Like, okay, I, I don't Murdoch, know, I almost felt like... Murdoch took it, you know, Murdoch took it after he killed them all and, you know, just yeah. took it back to them. But, okay. well, I mean, like, who, who, keep, who keeps whiskey for 13 years is my question. Yeah, well, I, I, mean, I, I would have drank it. Like, it, 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 it didn't just... necessarily say it was full because uh, maybe he just kept the bottle. But yeah, it is pretty well done in the sense that it is, you know, whether he's supernatural or not. And honestly, I'm still kind of questioning it. Like, it feels like they still want him to be supernatural at the end. Like, it feels almost like he's, you know, he, he's had his revenge and now he's he's done. He can, you know, leave this earth or whatever kind of thing. But um, it's very much shot like like an Italian Gothic horror. Like there's some scenes in this that are straight out of like a Bava film almost. Um, I especially liked the, um, the one where you see the shadow of, uh, of uh, Alethea where, where she's got the, the lantern and she's going up the steps or whatever like that, that that's very Gothic horror. And then, but also it's got the sort of, although it's not as gory as some Italian films around this time, it's sort of got that, meanness to it like there's that scene where uh, a bunch where they you know they tie up um uh, alethea or whatever her name is and they they use her as like a kind of a uh, a lore bait to try to like uh sucker him in and then uh ambush him and those guys all ambush him and the one guy comes at him with the machete and he you know he mm-hmm. sidestep he sidesteps the guy basically and the guy's machete goes to the door and the other guy comes running in and he sidesteps yes. him and it, it pales him on the door with the machete, which I thought was fucking mm-hmm. badass. That was, that was one of my favorite the first scenes too. Died yeah. though. It was just, <laughs> when I saw it, it was just, it was those scenes. Cause like, you know, there's certain parts of the movie where I find they, they lacked actions to complete it. Like the mm-hmm. one where they were opening the bottle of champagne and it was just that, hold on a second. I heard no pop. I heard no pour, saw no pouring. Like I know that you're supposed to, but it just kind of took away from the scene for me. And there was another one too. Oh yeah, the punch with the the brother in Django, mm-hmm. where he like goes looks at him and he does a punch, but there's no sound. And then you look at the scene and then he like Django's down. That I don't know those small things. Like, it was there small was attention to detail that did bug me. There was some editing problems in it. That uh, definitely true. Oh, what was the other one that I read? Oh, an, an, another scene that like lends it to being like more like this is possibly supernatural. That one guy he kills in the uh, stable, I guess it is where he strangles him to death. Mm-hmm. Like, and he, you, you, he almost like, he's almost like fucking Christopher Lee from a Dracula film, right? Where he just, he grabs the guy by the throat and he's almost instantly dead. Like right there. Like it takes like three well, seconds. The other thing I always thought was really interesting. It gave you that superhuman strength too, where he picks himself up with one arm and gets his knife and cuts him out. So he didn't get choked to death. Mm-hmm. Yes. Mm-hmm. That yes. was pretty badass. I like that too. I was no, just but at the same time, 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 though, I think the brother, me. that younger brother, had a little bit of a insult, a ceremonious death. Like I, he should have fell on something. Mm-hmm. Like for him being such a bad, bad dude, you should have had him have a little bit of more of a gruesome death than just a fall. I actually, I actually kind of, um, I kind of expected the final bad guy. If I was, if I was scripting this film out, if I would have shot it. You know how he um, so Django's uh, gimmick here is the different people that he's the, the central people he's going after. Yeah. He's got the gimmick of he's got a cross ready made for them. And it's like so and so died on this day. And it's the day that he brings the cross and like plants it in the ground. So he's got the final cross planted for the final bad guy and he shoots him. And the final bad guy goes Murdoch there goes walking over towards the cross. He should have fell on the cross. That would have been like that would have been cool. Like, I, I almost too. I almost will agree with you, but I completely disagree with you. Okay, because I thought that until I saw one of the nicest scenes in the movie afterwards. And I was like, no, that's a beautiful shot. 
with him it walking is, up with the cross. I was like, no, nah, that's 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 so nice. I'll I'll allow that. I'll be okay <laughs> kind of cool how they mimic the first death and the last death too. Mm-hmm. The first death of uh, Hawkins. Yeah. Because same thing. As soon as he got shot, he walked Sham over Hawkins. the cross and fellows. And then the last death where he fell right by the cross again, like shot, fell by the cross. Yeah, yeah. And it was the same shootout, like the same idea as a shootout. But I, I do, I did kind of get a giggle how much damage that revolver could do because when mm-hmm. you shot through the bags. It's well, like, not only that, it's got 27 bullets. No, yeah. I mean, that's pretty good too. Yeah. Actually, the funny, I had a laugh out loud moment too is because I really enjoyed the, uh, where he blasts the guy in the face because he shoots that guy later. He wasn't dead, but the the machete got stuck in the thing, and then the, he dodged, and the guy got, ran into the machete. But at the same time, in my head, since I watched Hot Fuzz, all I heard was, "Oh, I need some ice cream." Because of, 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 of Timothy Dalton landed on that by accident, and I just I had to laugh. I had to watch that twice just so I could watch it without that joke in my head. But it was pretty good. Um, so I thought the acting in this was pretty decent, uh, yeah. especially considering it's so low budget. Um, uh, I've, I've noticed, uh, I was doing a little reading on this and after I'd watched it and a lot of people sort of criticize, uh, Stefan as being a little too wooden in this. And I'm like, but that's the part, right? That's the part for this, this movie. Cause he's, mm-hmm. he's either playing someone who's undead or someone who's pretending to be undead to, to mind fuck these people he's going after. He's supposed to have like no feelings. Like, yeah. He's yeah, he to be, played uh... it really good. I think he played it on par. Perfect. Yeah. I, I mm-hmm. really enjoyed him. Like I know. I actually I have... really like the, um, the main, uh, the main henchman for uh, Murdoch. I actually mm-hmm. liked him a lot too. Yeah, he was good. Uh, the good, uh, he was, um, what was his name? Brett. Carlo Gaddy was Brett. Yeah. So um, at least, Go ahead. Alicia reminded me of a, a drag queen. It wasn't anything bad. It's a very beautiful <laughs> drag queen. But every time I saw her, I just I thought of like one specific drag queen. I'm like, you look exactly like her. <laughs> there you go. They don't give her a lot to do either, right? Like she's she's she, so funny. She, she's but so she's, funny. She's totally money grubbing, right? Like her the yeah. whole her whole story is that um Murdoch, uh the main bad guy has basically paid her to like marry her brother brother kind of thing yeah so she's in it for the money and and at the end (laughs) wait for me Django. and she's shoving her bra like girl you got the money just go be yourself like you got it do it she wants a real man a real (laughs) 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 she had the money though just go go be free i got the i won the money the money's mine (laughs) <laughs> um yeah i don't I love... sorry go ahead no go ahead go ahead i was gonna say like really quickly i love the costuming i thought they did a really good job especially when you tell me it's low budget i thought they did a really good job with co- uh, costumes i just know i don't know i really like them uh like her dresses all the dresses that alethea came out in i thought were absolutely gorgeous i thought the co- cowboy costumes were awesome mm-hmm. um i thought the costume designer did a phenomenal job i really did enjoy that You'll you'll notice that like um, and we're gonna have to do more spaghetti westerns just to and and get some you know really classic ones too under your belt just just so you get familiar. I yell with this at my stuff. mother. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, but you'll you'll notice that these westerns, as opposed to a lot of the Hollywood stuff at the time that was you know before this and contemporary to it, they they make a point of like making stuff look gritty and dirty and like it would actually be in the old west kind of thing you know so the window at the beginning mm-hmm. i was oh, like yeah, looking right. at it like there's no way a window could be that dirty and then i'm like wait a second this is a western this is absolutely how dirty your window could be like i'm it just, just thinking though like i'm watching going, detail, right? it's supposed to be on the outside not the inside but even then like it could be on the inside like it's a grummy fucking bar. Mm-hmm. <laughs> if you look at it, the outside of the window is clean as hell. It's all the inside. That, I don't understand it. Yeah, but, but you know, okay. But the, uh, the 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 town's name is even. Although you know, the town is isn't quite muddy or anything like a lot of these towns. Like if you look in the original Django, the town he goes into, oh, it's, it's just mud, muddy as fuck. But um, the the name of the uh, town here in this one's called like Desert City or something like that. So, you know, there's a lot of dust blowing through that fucking place. Mm-hmm. Yes, 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 yeah. So maybe we could do a massacre time if you could find it. That's a pretty <laughs> good one. Uh, we haven't done that one yet. 
No, um, and that's that's the uh, Fulci one, right? That's mm, no, uh, Four Horsemen, right? I don't know. No, he, he, he did he did a, he did a he did a couple of them. Okay, because I have it. I'll check it out. Yeah, I think he did um, Massacre Time as well. Yeah, and uh, Comanche Joe with uh, Klaus Kinski. Pretty hmm. good. I can't uh, remember where it was. Sorry, go on. Uh, I was just going to say uh, you mentioned Klaus Kinski. There, there's another one that's a sort of. Um, horror western although you know klaus kinski is definitely not supernatural in it but it's still kind of a, a horror movie at its at its core is called and god said to Cain," which is a revenge oh movie. i have that one too mm-hmm. that, that one's on like almost everybody's like 50 spaghetti western movie pack you know kind of thing so yeah uh you were I, saying uh, lee it's just like a small thing but i i kind of thought it was funny how there was a picture of abraham lincoln on the wall mm-hmm. just because it was um 1881 and he was president in 1861 so yeah. it was Although, just I, I don't know it was I, I was looking at that i'm like is that the president <laughs> i don't know why i don't know why it bugged me but maybe thought, maybe no one told them that there was a new president <laughs> <laughs> since then it's like 20 years ago yeah um it just I don't know. I just thought it was one of those things where I, was, I don't know because I know they mentioned the Yankees and supporting the Yankees, mm-hmm. so I thought like it was their patriotism to like the United States, but it's the wrong guy. <laughs> they they get a lot of that stuff iffy in these films. Like you you'll notice that a lot of spaghetti westerns they kind of have a lot of the heroes end up being like ex Confederates instead of like you know ex Union kind of thing. Like they they do a lot of the. Um, <laughs> it, it's not quite as bad as like the. Uh, Oh, the lost cause, uh, the rebels from the South kind of uh, bullshit that sort of rewrites history. But uh, a lot of times they do they do have like, you know, conflicted Confederate heroes and stuff from the war and shit like that, you know, that become like loners and shit like that. And so uh, it, it's 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 another kind of thing that happens in a lot of these films. But um, it was just kind of a funny thing. I just I just made me giggle like i had to google it first to like figure it out mm-hmm. but i was like this feels wrong and i was right it was wrong but uh <laughs> only by 20 years yeah yeah no, <laughs> fine same century mm-hmm. yeah, yeah um i did think uh i enjoyed the the use of different camera angles the director did as well i thought he that was kind of cool because at the beginning he had this very weird angle where he was showing the guy walking and i mm-hmm. hadn't seen that in movies and there was another where they had like under um it was under like a table or something mm-hmm. I, or I thought it was really interesting. And then the one part where it was like shaking, um, like I know how it is for filming. I know what you got to do with cameras to try and make it look good. So I thought that was really cool. It was all this like creative ways of getting creative with camera. And that was, yeah. Awesome. Uh, Sergio Garoni here. He, he does a way better job than he needed to in this film. And he, he, he comes, he comes at you with like some neat angles, like some Dutch, yeah. Dutch tilts and stuff like that. So like it is, it is a like visually it, it's a good film. The wildlife and the print that I provided you guys with off of YouTube was, you know, as long as you didn't like blow it up full screen was pretty sharp and, and it looked like it was a rip from like the DVD kind of thing. I had it so. on my TV and it came out pretty clear. So yeah, it, it looked really good. So, yeah. so unless there's anything else, we want to say about this one. Um, I think it's worth checking out. Like it's, it, 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 it get it from what I can see, like a lot of people, they kind of either like really love it or really hate it. I, I thought it was decent. I thought it was pretty good. Uh, no, I liked it. Yeah, I definitely yeah. liked it. I, it could have been a little bit more spooky and a little bit more of this and that. And I will have to say in the first dynamite throwing scene, there is a scene where it cuts in the middle where the wick, the, uh, the little, uh, the fuse is extremely longer than it should be. Mm-hmm. And then yeah. they go back into it for a while. So it was extra, extra long. Mm-hmm. That's my only complaint. I think that's the thing. Like I found, I mentioned it earlier. Um, I found it was kind of a slow paced thing. Like they I could have, they could have cut 10 minutes out of this. Yeah. I, no I kind problem. of, prefer, I like, believe a, uh, a higher action. I believe Django shoots first was from 1966, but I'm not sure if that was the first Django remake from Django the first Django. Oh there was then, um, uh, there, there there was a there was a couple in that year when Django was was released from 66 that, I think. Yeah, yeah. that they they yeah. Oh this this you see this film of Franco Nero that's fucking cleaning up at the fucking box office. Uh we got to mm-hmm. sell our movie in Germany. Let's call it Django or you know so. And then the uh, the Fulci they Fulci did one called White Fang 
White Fang, and, yeah. And uh, a challenge to White Fang or something like that. You know what a fantastic one is that is extremely enjoyable to watch? It's horrible. White Comanche. That is with William Shatner. We, we did yeah, that on the podcast. It, it's so good. I love it. I, I fell in love with it. And, and this is so good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you no, definitely no. have to watch White Comanche Lee. It is. It's- okay. I have. We've, we've. Yeah, she does. She, she does need to see it. See William Shatner. Yes, yes. Be, be, play twi- part of having two Lees. Play, play. Yeah, play. Uh, get to see William Shatner play twin uh, twin brothers. One of them is uh, one of them is a uh, uh, half Indian, half white, and has decided to live in the on the land, and the other one decided to live as a cowboy, kind of thing. Yes. Yeah. It's, it's really good. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> so uh, there's not really any trivia for this other than basically people kind of claim that this was an inspiration for Clint Eastwood's High Plains Drifter from 1973, which is a supernatural Western. It's it's a revenge Western, but it it's really I think there's only minor similarities, really, when you when you look at both films. And I think High Plains Drifter is a far better movie than this one, honestly, On a, when you get down to it. But um, I, don't, I, I didn't see anyone actually, like, have any real conclusive proof that uh, Eastwood ripped this off. So I don't know if that's a thing. Sorry, I forgot to mention this earlier, but uh, the one thing that really got to me was that I found that the acting... Uh, was really good but sometimes the dubbing didn't match the acting mm-hmm. and that was kind of a disappointment because i found some of the actors were really intense like you could see by like the facial or whatever just their expressions and it just kind of fell flat with like the actual voice actor like doing the dubbing yeah that's so that was that, kind of unfortunate that's something Don't you worry, have to get used to that yeah you'll get used to it um okay <laughs> and, and, and honestly honestly when it's a lower budget one like this usually they just don't have the money for voice actors and the voice actors usually don't give a shit so oh, when, it, when, it, when the acting was really good it was just mm-hmm. ruined by the voice acting yeah uh so as far as release uh info for this one uh like i said there's there's multiple versions on youtube and daily motion you gotta just sort of pick and choose for them like some of them look like absolute garbage but um uh the, there are a few out there that are pretty good and uh, as far as like a physical copy on this, um, Synapse Films released the Blu-ray in 2019, which is probably what the YouTube rip we watched is from, I suspect, because it looked pretty cleaned up, even if it's even if it was only streaming at like 480p or whatever the fuck it was on, on YouTube. It, <laughs> it still looked really, really cleaned up, like way better than it probably has ever looked. So uh, there you go. Um not sure what we're going to do next time. We'll figure that out. We're just kind of flying on the seat of our pants right now, uh, kind of thing. Just, just having fun picking movies and getting back at, it. getting back at it. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, anyway, uh, Paul, uh, where can people find you on the interwebs? PA Brew News YouTube. We get the maniacs meet goodness there too. You can go over to Facebook, uh, Oil Paintings by PA the P Romali, and Instagram Oil Paintings P Romali. Maniacs Meet Podcast. Check it out. Mm-hmm. And buy uh, Paul's paintings because he's really good at it. So there you Very go. Buy my paintings. Yep. Very and, talented. Yeah. Uh, Lady Lee, you got anything you need to plug uh, this week? Come listen to the podcast. <laughs> oh, you mean the, the one they're already listening to? Okay. Yeah. And all the other ones in the past. Yeah. All the old ones. Yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> There's well, really I, good I, ones out there. Yeah, you should listen to the, all the spaghetti westerns we did. I guess I got to do my homework now because I feel mm-hmm. like I am behind. There is a whole world of movies that I have not even been introduced to. It didn't even know existed. We're gonna have Terrible. to. Go through, we're gonna have to get her to watch all kinds of different Italian exploitation and different genres. There, Paul. Mm-hmm. You'd be thinking yeah. like just because like my mom being Italian, I would have been exposed to a lot more of this. Absolutely not. I, I'm kind of disappointed. I'm very disappointed. We've we've discovered tonight that your mother is the worst Italian ever. <laughs> That's fair. Yeah. And there's some heavy hitters on that list. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, you, you got Mussolini, you got Nero. Yeah. You oh know. Congratulations. Hey, my mom. I'm gonna say right now, just like, just as an or uh, just as something, something. Just to clarify, okay. there we go. 
my mom is fantastic. <laughs> She's a beautiful <laughs> woman. <laughs> She's at least par with uh, Caligula. Yeah. Oh my god. Go. Wow. She's, <laughs> my mom's a lovely lady. Okay, I love her. Okay. If she ever watches. <laughs> I'll fight you guys. Well, the, just well, just don't let her hear this. Or if you, if I know your dad has been interested in listening to some of these, if he listens to this one, just. Tell him to He'll please not, not tell her. If, if he if he listens, he would laugh. He would laugh a lot. He would totally laugh. My dad would totally laugh. Um, I do and have to agree. say the one thing that's very like Italian of my mother. Uh, so when I was younger, and she said if a, a boy ever hurt me, or she I ever brought somebody home that tried to hurt me, or whatever the case may be, she's like I would chase him out of the house in a frying pan. I'm like that is so Italian. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, we always just say we'd kill him. Yeah. I guess that's not very Italian. It's the fry. It's the frying pan because there's like always in the kitchen. Because, yeah. like, the Italian moms and the grandmoms used to be in the kitchen all day cooking the pasta sauce, making all the freaking pasta, like, making the meatballs, making the meats, doing all that stuff. Like, you yeah, come working for a living. Mm. Yeah. Come on, <laughs> you come over and you'd like see her cooking, and like, as you're eating, she's cooking, and then afterwards, she's cooking more. Like, it's just it's how it was. I don't do any of that. I completely fell off the. So you're the, the worst Italian ever. ever. Yeah, I am the worst. Italian there ever. you go. I'm only half though. I'm a half breed, so oh, well. <laughs> you, yeah, you're half fucked up. Yeah, you just didn't do it right. Uh, Get on yeah. that pasta sauce. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but you can find us at tmbdos.podbean.com, or you can find all of our other podcasts, uh, our links to YouTube, Facebook. Join the Facebook group. Um, go on Apple Podcasts. Give us a five star review and tell us how great we are. Um, I accept nothing less than that. If you're if you're just going to go on there and give us like four stars, go fuck yourself. Honestly, just just don't even bother. Um, and if you don't and if you don't go on our Facebook page and just give us tons of praise and uh, say how great we are, we we don't want to hear it. You're banned. I know revenge. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, uh, thank you guys. Uh, it was a lot of fun. And until next time, which should maybe it'll be next week, maybe it'll be two weeks. We'll we'll see what we do. Um, but uh, you'll hear it as almost as soon as we put it up. Hopefully, Ooh. yeah. All right, guys. Bye bye. Bye. Our Apple Podcasts, Facebook, and YouTube links, please go to tmbdos.podbean.com. Thank you. Drive through.